people often say at 50 years old, or, and women themselves say, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Well, that's for me when my life, another life began for me. So, you know, really, if you, if you have a book in you, you know, why not try? Why not try to write? You know, if you don't actually try, you're not going to get anywhere. As they say, nothing mentioned, nothing gained. Is that right? Yes. You know, it's very few people who write a book and it's published straight away. You do have to go through the bill of having rejection. Hello and welcome to Two Women Chatting. I'm Michelle. And I'm Liz. And I don't like this weather. I hate this weather. Oh, can, I don't know if you can hear the rain battering down on our roof here in the shed where we're oh. recording, but it's grim. It's, it's bleh, not good. hate this kind of weather. I hate yeah. this season of the year. It's just basically read a book or watch TV weather. It is. I've been through a lot of books. There's a good book coming out this week, though. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, you've written one? Yeah, uh, yeah. so I am launching my new novel this week. Now, I do actually know that there is one coming out by B.A. Paris, who's one of my favourite authors, and she's going to be coming on in a minute to tell us a little bit about that and how she was inspired to become a writer in her 50s, no less. We always oh, there's uh, hope, yeah. There's always hope. There's always time for reinvention. But um, you've been adding a lot to our website as well, haven't you? I have lots of books. Not always perhaps as intellectual as the ones that you read, but lots of books. I don't necessarily go for it. No, I'm... I don't go for intellectual necessarily. <laughs> I like a good psych thriller. I do like a rom com. Yeah. Like I like, I like a bit of Beth O'Leary, um, Katie Ford, Katie Ford, <laughs> Mills and Boone, Harlequin. No, no, no but I just, it's just total escapism. I do get a bit bored actually reading so many of them, but because they do, they're quite similar. But you know, it just it does. I think reading. I think it's underrated now. I think there's too much TV, too much you know, podcasts. I should really say. <laughs> You know what I mean? There's so much other. I think just sitting, reading your book, especially at night if you can't sleep, mm. which I can now, which is great. I'm sleeping really well. And I do think it's because I'm sort of switching off everything. Uh, and that's in my brain, including switching off by reading. Don't you, don't know. Isn't that like about 7pm? <laughs> do you know, last week it was literally 10 past 7 I got into bed on a you Sunday didn't. night. Well, it was horrible. You know, and I thought Paul was downstairs watching TV, and I thought I'd just sneak upstairs. Well, and I went, oh, it was a bit chilly. And I did. <laughs> yeah, dog came up, Teddy came up. But uh, yeah, it was lovely. Oh. Then I had to pop downstairs uh, someone more tweet. Are you a Kindle reader or a, you know, book, if I go to the reader. yeah, well, holidays Kindle. Mm. Uh, but I like a nice, like to feel it. So I go to the library a lot now. I signed up again to the library. Oh, I think good. I've told you this before, actually. I'm getting boring. Aren't I? No, you're not. I but think I do. It's I signed up and I, d- I get two or three books and uh, I like having them by the bed. It just, yeah. you know, you, d- you yeah. And I find I can't remember the title of books if I've read them on an iPad. I need to, do you know, <laughs> I, I've, do you re- I've bought the same, <laughs> same one. <laughs> and it just obviously goes purchased. I'm like, no, I've never read that. It's not true. And then you've got to read the synopsis. Like, oh, yeah, 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 these yeah. characters do look familiar, don't yeah. they? But I need to see the picture of the book. And mm-hmm. I need to feel the book. And I'm, I've always been like that. I'm quite sort of visual. So I could find something in a book on a page. Mm. Um, you know, I know exactly where it was. But on an iPad or a Kindle, I, I sort of find myself a bit lost and a bit less... Um, I get frustrated. Less connected. Because when you close story. it up, you know, and you open it, and it just isn't always where you think it. And then it, oh, it offers you another book and buy this. Have you read this? And I haven't even finished this one yet. Sorry, so, sorry Kindle. I don't... I, don't I was going to say, I guess that's goodbye to any future sponsorship on Kindle. Never mind. <laughs> no, they're great. They're fantastic things. You know, you can get, you know, 100 books in... And you can get the waterproof and, ones. I've seen people in, in pools with a Kindle. Oh. And either they're being really, really careful or they're waterproof now. I'm not sure. <laughs> they are. But 
I suppose they probably could. But it saves lots of trees, I do appreciate. But I still do like a a nice sort of paper. Yeah. Paper book. Well, how about we go and talk to an author of an actual book, a really good author at that. I think that's a good idea. All right. Let's welcome Bernadette. That's BA Paris to most people. Um, onto our podcast sofa. Bernadette Paris, better known as BA Paris, wrote one of my all-time favourite psychological thrillers, Behind Closed Doors, in 2016. It was her debut novel, and she was just over 50 when it was published. Seven million editions of her work later, she's the author of seven novels with a new thriller, The Guest, out this week. She is a master of the use of control and coercion within her plots, and all is never as it seems. There is always a twist. Well, we absolutely love career reinvention in midlife on Two Women Chatting, and we couldn't wait to welcome you on the show, Bernadette. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. It is so lovely to see you face to face, because have, thinking about somebody who's known mainly by her initials adds a sense of anonym, anonymity to, to you. So firstly, why did you start with initials? It's sort of a bit George Eliot, is, Eliot isn't it? You know, is she male? Is she female? Where does she come from? Yes, it wasn't at all that. Um, I hadn't told anybody I'd written a book. I didn't, you know, my my immediate family knew, my sister, of course, my husband and daughters, but I hadn't told anybody else. And I just thought, nobody's ever going to buy this book. And it was kind of my little secret, you know, that I was writing the book. And you know, it, it was going to be published. And, you know, I said, well, I don't want my real name on it and we tried to think of a name with my um agent and I came up with Paris because I'd moved to Paris and also you know um it wasn't my surname Paris isn't my surname so I thought you know what I'll just put my initials BA Paris so you were 50 um when you wrote this book or at least when it was published I believe but you've you've had a pretty darn good career haven't you through trading and a language school you brought up five girls I believe you've had a really busy life what was it in your early 50s that you thought now is my time I think there were quite a few things I mean I'd always wanted to write I'd written children's stories when I was quite young when I was 18 but I hadn't done anything with them. and I always thought that one day when my children were older and when they'd left home that I would fill the gap by becoming by maybe writing and there were lots of things that, I don't know whether I would have done that, there were a few things. I remember coming home with my daughters from school one day and my two older daughters, who must have been about maybe 14 and 16 then, just saying, well, you know, Mummy, we'll never have five children. And I thought, oh, so I said, oh, why is that? And they said, well, you know, all you do is, you know, you work and you cook and you clean and you and you bring us to school and you take us home and then you always, you know, just, you know. And for them, it was kind of a life of grudge, I suppose. And I said, but I love my life. But at the back of my mind, I thought, oh, I don't want them to think that this has only been my life, just being a mother, although it's very mm. valuable, but I wanted to show them something else. And I did think one day I'm going to have to do something for myself just to show my daughters that I'm more than just a mother, really, even though being just a mother is fine, if you see what I mean. Oh, we all say that. We all use that phrase quite flippantly, don't we? Oh, I'm just a mum or just a, just a mother. But it is like being a little CEO of your own company. But I can completely see why you're see where you're coming from, you know, to show your daughters. But did you have any training? What, what, did, what was your first step to, I'm going to be a novelist or I've got this book in me, like so many people have got a book in them, apparently, fiction or nonfiction. What was your first I never... step? 
Well, I never actually thought about writing a novel. I just always thought I'd write children's stories. And it was one of my daughters. Um, she had an idea for a novel, and I thought, good, let her go ahead with it. And um, there was a competition years back. I think it was about 2008 in the Sunday Times for a novel. And I saw this, and I said to my daughter, oh, you know, why don't you enter this competition? Write your novel. And um, she looked up the rules, and she said, well, mummy, I can't because you have to be 18. I'm only 16. So she said, but why don't you enter it? Why don't you write a novel? And... I said, well, I just couldn't write a novel. I could write maybe some children's stories, but a novel, 80,000 words, there's no way I could do that. And she just said, I'm sure you could. So I don't expect that might. And I thought, maybe I could. And during the night, I came up with this idea of a story about a family. And I was in England at the time, and I got back to France. I didn't even have a laptop or anything. And I just bought myself a laptop, and I just started writing. And... I wrote several books before I wrote Behind Closed Doors. That was only published when I was 56. So I did start writing at 50, but, um, and for the first couple of years, I didn't even want to get published. I was just writing for me. And mm. I just wrote nonstop. I wrote every minute of the day. I became this horrible mother who never made cakes anymore for my daughters. And, you know, just threw things at them when they came in from school. And I do remember one of my daughters saying, Mummy, you don't even notice when we come in from school anymore, you know, because I was just so involved in my writing. And it was like a drug for about six months. I just could not stop writing. And after six months, I kind of calmed down and thought, actually, I can read it in the middle of a sentence and come back to it. So, you know, it was quite, I don't have any training. I haven't ever done a writing course or anything. I, am, I just started writing. And I was really lucky because the first book I sent off to a few agents, uh, one agent came back and said, you know, uh, we it did go through to the final stages of our process, but we've decided we're not taking it because it's not right for the market, but don't give up writing because you can write. And that, for me, was just to get that kind of feedback from an agent was amazing. And I kind of played him with another few books, but one of them will write for the market. And I was also sending out to other agencies. And then, you know, I just, um, I struck lucky with Behind Closed Doors. Did you have any connections in the industry, publishing industry or you just sort of literally Googled agents and sent it off? Yes, a friend told me to buy um, the handbook and I had no connections whatsoever. I wasn't on any social media. I was living in France at that time. We've only recently moved back to England in the last couple of years. So I didn't have, I didn't know any authors. I didn't even know how the publishing industry worked. Uh, all I knew was that I had to find an agent. So I just bought the handbook and I looked through the agencies and the one I really wanted, I never applied to until I wrote Behind Closed Doors because I just thought they'll never look at me. They'll never look at me. And then when I wrote Behind Closed Doors, I just thought, oh, you know what? Take courage in your hands. Just send out to that agency. And they were the ones that actually picked it up. So what's the process? Do you send out a summary of the plot or do you send out, you know, a big chunk of printed out paper? It just depends. You have to look. Every agent has, every agency has their own requirement. So some are usually it's the first three chapters. Um, you know, they're not very keen if you send the middle of the book because they don't know, you know, um, what the rest of it is like. So normally it's the first three chapters or the first maybe 10,000 words and you have to write a synopsis like they know what the rest of the book is about usually and then a covering letter and the covering letter believe me is by far the hardest thing to write I'd rather write another book like the synopsis I'd rather write a whole book than write a synopsis it's just <laughs> the most difficult thing and then you just wait and sometimes you don't hear back sometimes on their website they'll say if you haven't heard back within six weeks it's because your book's been rejected you know it's not for us 
So, you know, it's just a waiting game and you wait for those six weeks. And when the six weeks are up or you've had some rejections in, well, I used to just think, okay, I'll write another book. So I'd write another book and then I'd send that out to another few agencies and then I'd wait for the rejections to come in. And that's how I work. So I think it was, I was never really defeated. I, I used to just think, I will get there. I'm going to get there. I've just got to keep on writing and try and improve and just write the book that's right for the market. And that's quite Gosh. difficult. That's real self-belief as well. You know, and you might have to go outside your genre. So anybody who's listening, for me, um, they, I kept getting rejections that would say, you can write, but it's not for us. It's not right for the market. And I remember writing back to one agency and saying, what is right for the market? And they said, psychological thriller. Uh-huh. They said, if you want to be published, write a psychological thriller. And I remember saying, I will never, ever write a psychological thriller because mm. the books I did before them were just family dramas. And I think that was the problem. They were family dramas, but there was no edge to them. And so when I wrote Behind Closed Doors, for me, I didn't realise it was a psychological thriller. For me, it was just another family drama. And it was only when it was picked up by my agency and my agent said, this is a fantastic psychological thriller. And I thought, oh, well, I did that by accident then. But once you do it, then you have to carry on. So I think it's a good idea for anybody, you know, who who has a book in them, just see if it is right for the market because... And you have to be very clear of your genre. You know, is it historical fiction? Is it a psychological thriller? Is it domestic? You know, is it a domestic novel? You just have to really be clear when you apply to an agency of what your, you know, the genre is. I mean, I was lucky because I didn't know one. I didn't say this is a psychological thriller. But, you know, I think now it's much harder. It's very hard. And you have to be very clear about what you've written and where it would fit into the market. Is that just because of a particular time that they're saying psychological thrillers are... are you know, in vogue, or is it always? Because I wouldn't say, to you know, I wouldn't have thought that would be the most obvious book to publish. Oh, but maybe I don't read so many of them. Oh, God, yeah. I'm a bit of a, you know, rom-com sort of. <laughs> but, you know, because it, it seems very brutal. Yeah, well, they did say to me, you know, and, and they were right, because I did end up writing a psychological thriller by accident. And then, of course, once you're in that, you just have to keep on writing psychological thrillers. And I did go a little astray with The Dilemma, which wasn't exactly a psychological thriller. But my publishers, mm. it was a book that I really wanted to write because of several several reasons, and um, it just wouldn't go away. So my publisher very kindly said, okay, let's publish this one. And I think there were a lot of readers who weren't happy that it wasn't a psychological thriller. So now I'm back in the psychological thriller mode. Yeah, it didn't feel, it just didn't feel like you. It was a great book, but it didn't feel like you. Could you not just change your name then? Well, I <laughs> Publish think, under a different name. I did ask about that, whether I should change my name for that, but, but it was felt that because I was just building my brand, as they call it, I already had three books under my belt, that it was better to stay with that. And it was never billed as a psychological thriller, but I think people read it waiting for the twist at the end or something, and mm. there was no twist. It was just a story I really wanted to tell. And very much about like the books that I used to write before writing Behind Closed Doors. So really, family dramas... I really love writing, actually. But, um, yes, so I think, you know, you just... um, Psychological thrillers, people are always saying the bottom will drop out of the market. You know, know, it's maybe time to change genre because everybody keeps saying there's not going to be that need for psychological thrillers. But it is still there. Mm. And I think it's because people love being scared, but from the safety of their home. You know, I, I don't know because... I know you you read some, you know, you love psychological thrillers, but not everybody does. So for our listeners who maybe haven't read your book, could you sum it up without giving away the plot twist? Because it is masterful. Um, and I cannot tell you how many people I've recommended your book to 
for me, I, I read it when um, I was living in Singapore at the time and I, I read it like fast, like I inhaled it so fast and I was so shocked right. by it and it made me look at everybody differently, you know? And I hope that yeah. was perhaps what you were aiming for people to do is to, you know, you look at perfect couples and you think, oh, they've got it all, they're so happy. And then you delve a bit more and there's just this complexity and control. Um, so there am, there am I, I'm basically running away with the story. Could you, in your words, Bernadette, just maybe summarise quickly what that amazing book is about? Yeah, well, it's about, so this is behind closed doors, and it's about a couple who seem perfect on the outside. And, you know, they have a lovely lifestyle. And um, uh, Trace has a sister who has Down syndrome, and her husband, Jack, uh, just seems to love Millie as much as she does. And it really does look from the outside. It's like a fairy tale. She spent a lot of time, and, you know, her time looking after her sister. And then she meets this lovely man who is willing to take both of them on, marry Grace, and, you know, um, take on Millie as well and so it's really her Prince Charming he's the most lovely man of course he's good looking he's wonderful he's um, elegant all her friends love him most of them are half in love with him but of course you know we just see that um, it's not all that it seems to be and I was very interested to write this book it was just the story that kept niggling away at me and I think it's because at the time I was living in well I'd just come back from living in an expat world in The Hague where everybody seems to have perfect lives because as they're expats, they're all quite wealthy. You know, they they you know they have this wealthy lifestyle, and that we're jetting. We only stayed, we only were expats for four years, but most people are life expats, lifelong expats, which means that they travel around from country to country. They live for maybe four years in the Netherlands, four years in Singapore, four years in Australia, four years somewhere in Africa, and they have this kind of. And I just wanted to show that actually, when you scratch the surface, you know, even people that seem to have everything, you know, things can go horribly wrong in a marriage. So that's really what I wanted to show. And you did it really well. Um, and it's being adapted for a movie, isn't it? Yes, it will be. Um, so I'm very lucky because the breakdown has already been adapted for a movie. That's already... Love that um, That's book too, yes. And um, the therapist is going to be written, I think the script, well, the script has been written for that. And then it will be, because they're all being produced by the same wonderful person. And then she's going to, she hopes that the uh, Behind Closed Doors will go to production at the end of... 2024 so that will be really thrilling I mean I can't wait to see that made into a film. Do you have any um, influence on the actors portraying your characters or the way it's set to screenplay? Really I think I'll have a little bit more input into the next two Um, but you know they always tell me who the actors are and if I approve but even if I said I didn't I always do (laughs) but even if I said I didn't I am you know, I don't think. They, I mean, I think it's a courtesy. You know, it's a courtesy. Mm. This is who we're thinking of. What do you think? And of course, I'm not going to go away and say uh, no because then, you know, I wouldn't have much credibility really because they obviously know they can cast really well. But I think for um, I'll have a little bit more. I mean, I've read the script of the therapist. That's already been shared with me. So that's lovely. And you know, I think if there's anything that I saw that was a little bit off. I mean, it's going to be exactly, you know, the breakdown, um, which is still this called Blackwater Lake. It's not exactly like my book. It never will be. There's mm. scenes in it that don't come from my book and there's scenes from my book that aren't in the film. But, you know, generally, um, but I think, you know, yes, I will. I, if I see something, which I have done on a couple of occasions, um, um, you know, I've spotted something that said, I don't think this is quite right. I think maybe it's better like this. And they've always done that and said, yeah, great. Yeah. Do you draw from experience or do you just like, this is my plot? 
uh, now I'm going to really look into how men control women or how people are coerced into doing things they don't want to do or how they might be... Uh, I, how do you do it, you know? Where the idea comes from. That's a simple way of saying what I just said. <laughs> Thank where you, it came from, the idea. Um, some years ago I had a friend, and this was before I even knew about coercive control or manipulation. I didn't even think I thought about that. But I had a friend, and I only asked him once, but I was quite... Sus- I don't know, I just... There was something there that I felt. And... When my mother looked at a couple of things, I just had the feeling that she wasn't allowed to do what she wanted, that she was being controlled, that she had to watch what she said. I might be completely wrong. I'm no longer friends with her. You know, um, we, we grew apart. We just drifted to other countries like one does. And, you know, we didn't have what then and we couldn't keep in contact. So I had no idea. As far as I know, she's still very happily married. So I'm probably completely wrong. But the great thing is it gave me that idea. Mm. It gave me the idea. And... It's true that coercive control, I hadn't even heard of that. I didn't, that wasn't a term that I ever heard. So really, I was just putting myself in Grace's place and, and also putting myself in Jack's place, which was fascinating, actually. I had, it's horrible to say, but I had quite good fun writing Jack because it was so outside anything I'd ever written before because I'd never had these kind of nasty husbands. And so that was quite, you know, I just, when I'm writing, I just really and the character that I'm writing at that point. So, you know, I was Jack when I was writing Jack and then I was Grace. So I didn't find it very difficult in a way. Do you research it? Do you, do you speak to people? Or you just or just you just put pen to paper, so to speak? No, because I didn't know who to speak to. But I did look up things on Google about women who had been kept prisoner. I was thinking all about people who had been kept prisoner by their husbands then, not really manipulated. That just happened to work out in the book. And I read some horrific stories. I mean... Mm-hmm you know, really terrible. I mean, I don't think it, I think it was in India, but one woman was kept in a hole in the ground with a board over the top and he would just throw food down to hell. You know, I mean, I read some horrific things, but, you know, I mean, I didn't want to go. The problem is when you read something and it's really true, fact is actually strange in fiction. If I put that in a book, I don't think people would have found it credible. And I have friends that give me stories or tell me something sometimes. And I say, you know, I'd love to put that in a book, but people actually would not believe it. You know, so if they, they yeah. wouldn't. They'd say, oh, that would never happen. You know, you get that yeah. all the time. It's a bit but, like Jimmy um, Savile, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Hiding in plain sight and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Wow. I I just love that you, you have done this in midlife and, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago, you didn't see yourself as a novelist or a, in it just, films. Yeah. It just shows that you can do it. This is what our podcast is all about, isn't it? It's just... You know, it's, it, you're inspiring, but you're also you're showing that it can be done. That's what I love. It can be done, and I think you just have to... I remember feeling, every time I got a rejection, I just had this feeling in my butt, this kind of thing that said, just keep on, just keep on. And I think you have to have that confidence to just take the rejection, you know, as a, and just as a sign that you haven't written the right book yet, and just carry on, just carry on writing something new. And, um, yeah, I mean... I do think that, you know, it is really easy. You know, well, it's not easy to reinvent yourself, but I think, you know, people often say at 50 years old, oh, you know, and women themselves say, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Well, that's for me when my life, another life began for me. Mm. So, you know, really, if you, if you have a book in you, you know, why not try? Why not try to write? You know, if, if you don't actually try, you're not going to get anywhere. As they say, nothing mentioned, nothing gained. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and that really is it. And you have to be prepared 
you know, it's very few people who write a book and it's published straight away. You do have to go through the mill of having rejections. And even if it's not published, I mean, it could be therapy for you in, in so many ways, perhaps writing, you know, the story of your life or, you know, about your family. <laughs> Maybe there's anecdotes that, you know, are handed down. You could still talk to your, your parents whilst they're still alive and collect those stories of of family history. So there's so many different ways of, I think, finding a creative outlet and doing something, you know, when we're potentially we've got a bit more time on our side when when the kids have gone. Um, So I'd like to sort of wrap this up by talking about the book that's coming out this week. So that's your seventh novel. Can you give us a little summary of what's that about, what that is about? Is it, you know, is it still along the psychological thriller genre? Yes, it's another psychological thriller, maybe a quieter book than some of them. But um, again, it's based in a family drama, as always, with a couple always at the centre of it, or more than one couple. So it tells the story of um, Gabriel and Iris, who um, Gabriel has witnessed um, something quite distressing, um, and it's having an effect on him that, and his wife can't get through. He, he won't really speak about it. He, he came across um, a young boy badly injured and wasn't able, he's a doctor, wasn't able to save him. And this is, you know, really traumatised him. So that's at the beginning of the book. So I'm not giving too much away. And so the book starts when they come back from a two-week holiday where Iris has hoped that Gabriel would um, open up to her about not troubling him because she thinks that there must be more to what, he, what he's told her. And they find that a French friend of theirs, Law, one of their best friends, has moved into their house. And it's not as creepy as it sounds because they do have keys to each other's houses. Um, so Law has moved in. She's left her husband here um, for, for, for a reason. And um, and then she stays and she stays. And she kind of, you know, um, starts beginning to annoy Iris, who's the nicest person. Um, but she starts wearing her clothes and changing the house around and everything. And she seems to make no move no move to leave and so this is you know adding a little bit of strain on Iris and Gabriel although they do have the same opinion about law really so you know that's fine but into the mix comes a new couple who arrive into the into the village so um there's a couple who arrive Esme and Hugh and with them they bring their gardener who has a kind of checkered past and the book is about the relationship between these couples and what happens as the months go on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. And it's out this week uh, through Hodder and Stoughton. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And it'll be um, on Amazon. And it's called The Guest. So um, where else can people find out about your your other books and find you on social media? I'm on Twitter and also on Facebook and Instagram. I've never been very uh, vocal on Facebook and Instagram because social media is a bit of a a myth to me but anyway I'm getting there I'm, I'm learning so um, I'm really happy on Twitter and I do have a newsletter so people can just um, you know if they want to sign up to my newsletter there's always giveaways on my newsletter and that's where you find out what I'm doing and um, any events that I have that are coming up. Uh, where do they get that from is that your website? Yes it'll be on my website it's on my yes there's a website BA Paris and I'm on um, Twitter under BA Paris as well so under BA Paris anybody can find me. I think, and uh, Instagram is B.A. Paris author, isn't it? Something like that. Yes, that's right. Yes. Think, yeah. All right. That sounds a bit 
What? A bit stalky. I think you probably know better than I me. I am yeah. stalky. That's why I like psychological thrillers. It's called research, Elizabeth. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Bernadette. You've been such a lovely guest today. Oh, it's been lovely to chat to you. I really, really enjoyed it. I can tell. I can always tell yeah, when Liz yeah. loves our guests yeah. because she's like, oh, she's all lit up. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're inspiring yeah. to yeah. lots of other women. Yeah. Oh, well, honestly, if anybody's got a book in them, just start writing. And thank you so much, Michelle and Liz. Thank you very much for having me on today. I like this job. <laughs> this job is the best, isn't it? We meet such gorgeous, fat oh, people. It's just, it's just, just that was not, I like, it is a job. We are doing a job, yeah. And I didn't feel like that at all. It was just chatting to, like, a new friend. Oh, because she's just like us. <laughs> But world famous. But world famous. <laughs> I know, she's so well known. And she's would, so, um, I don't, what would you call, just really humble, I would say. She's she's she, almost surprised that people uh, are interested. She, But her writing is fabulous. I know it sounds really creepy crawly, but honestly, really, really, really good. good writer. Really good writer. Has she inspired you? Do you think there's a book in you? Well, me? No, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I could be bothered. Maybe more of a diary? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little, a little a pamphlet. <laughs> a pamphlet. There's a pamphlet in all of us. I just think I'm not good at seeing things through, as you know. So therefore, I'd start lots of books, and uh, I just, I think they say people have. I haven't got one in me. Well, but never say never. Have. Never say never. Well, yeah. But you exactly. have. You've said this before. You've got one. Yeah, you've forgotten, maybe. You? No, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> maybe one day I'll write a book. Not at the moment because I, I, I haven't got the time. I haven't got the time and I don't think I've got the idea. Mm. I think, you know, maybe one day you just wake up and you think, oh, I have to write that down. That's such a good idea. And my mother-in-law, she's written a book, actually, and she wanted to self-publish. And she's come up with a couple of really good plots. And she's in her 80s now. And I sort of, I feel like it would be wonderful for her to self-publish the book that she wrote when she was living in France and she had this idea about how everybody reinvented themselves and they do actually so they were living in Orador sur Vert um, and she she knew people who were, had lived where they used to be in Hampshire and they'd moved out to France and these people who were like Amdram had completely reinvented themselves as retired opera singers <laughs> right oh that is and that's true that was a true story, and she that, used that, that as the that. basis for you can be whatever you were when you're in England. But, you know, do you remember the times when people were sort of retiring out yeah, to, France to France or Provence, Spain? Yeah. Provence, yes. Darling. Uh, yeah, and it was that. And the, it was <laughs> they, could really they sing? good. Could they sing opera? They could sing a bit. But, I mean, she used to make up stories about she'd sung with Placido <laughs> Domingo. You could, I suppose you didn't have social media in those days, so you couldn't be checked. How could and you? No, yeah, yeah, no fact-checking. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I could do that for my school days. So there you go. There's some inspiration. <laughs> my mum's written quite a few books. Has she? Yeah, but not they're, uh, they were mainly educational. But then she started. She's still doing one now on um, wartime memories. So really? she interviewed all the different people in in where she lives. Of their sort of, they have a page each in it yeah. of their memories. And so it's not really write it, but she edited it all. But fascinating book. And I, I, yeah, I cry when I read my mum's own page. Because you don't realise what, I mean, you've been through the war and what she was in a bedroom with like five different people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, it's all in there. So, yeah, she said, yeah, she used to write um, really boring academic books before. <laughs> Sorry, mum, but they were. I think that's an amazing, amazing feat. And, mm. you know, I was saying earlier in the interview that, you know, taking down stories from our family now, whilst we're still able to 
to get that knowledge before it dies mm. with our aging parents. Yeah. And then we can hand that on throughout the family, throughout you know, generations to come. But anyway, okay. hope we have inspired you all to become writers. And I think that's all from us. It is. Chat soon.